One of the disadvantages of competitive Magic the Gathering tournaments is, let me tell you this first, the, I gotta tell you something about it to set this whole thing up that I'm gonna say. So Magic the Gathering is a card game. It's a collectible card game, which means very roughly um, you don't play with the same deck of cards every time you play. And different players bring different decks of cards and then they, they play against the different decks of cards. So it'd be like if you were playing chess with someone, but you each brought your own pieces and the pieces did different things. But it's also a card game, so it's like poker. So there's a lot of uh, variance. It's not like chess where you have no variance, meaning nothing's left to luck, and um, no hidden information. You both can see everything that's happening. In Magic, you have variance. Some things are left to luck. You're drawing cards from the top of your deck. And you have hidden information. You have a hand of cards which you can see that the opponent cannot see. So uh, it's also kind of like Dungeons & Dragons in that it has those same kind of thematic elements. It has wizards. It has dragons. It has monsters. It has vampires. It has crazy stuff like this. It has magic. It's called Magic the Gathering, and it's about magic. So um, this weekend I played in this tournament. Now, I'm sure you, if you don't already know... I'm sure you can imagine that with great love in my heart. I am a competitive Magic the Gathering player. I love Magic. I have great friends who are competitive Magic the Gathering players. And it's a it's a very nerdy enterprise in general. There is a, a theme amongst the fans of this game, the participants, that they can be nerdier than the average person. For good and for ill. So on the good side of the spectrum, they tend to be smart. They tend to be thoughtful. They tend to um, be open-minded to alternative ways of life and things like that. This, of course, is huge generalizations. But, for example, um, I I notice more trans folk in the magic scene than I do in, in just a, on a daily basis, which I think is, you know, is part of... The fact that there's there's a certain kind of similar to like the rationalist community, which is another group of people who are just more thoughtful and they're they're interested in in kind of examining their assumptions about life and the default social um, mode, and so they're willing to kind of take risks and do things a little different. And there's definitely there's a strain of that in magic culture. There's also something very kind of social about it and nostalgic about it. A lot of people stop playing when they're children or like very young teenagers, and so a lot of people have these kind of fond memories, especially as as people get older. You know, um, I mean, the game's been out for 25 years now, and there's a, there's the the way that the game is made in that they're, they're always printing new cards, and so you're always playing with these new cards and new cards. It kind of keeps it fresh. And then, like, on the cynical side, it's like, oh, man, like, you know, consumerist culture, like, oh, they just found a way to make a game that you have to keep buying, which is true, but they also have to keep making the game to make it fun for you to keep buying it. So they keep making the game again and again and again, and it does make it really interesting. And so it keeps it fresh for a long time, so people will play it for a lot longer than they would many other games. I mean, there are games like Chess and Go that people will play their whole lives, but most kind of more fun, kind of like a little more casual games, uh, games that have variants, tend to not have so much replay value. But something like Magic, because they keep printing more and more cards, and so you play with the new cards, and you play with the new cards, and the cards are a little bit different, the rules change all the time. Each card, one of the... the 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 principles of magic is there's a set of rules and it's it is a 
particularly complicated set of rules. Amongst the games that I have learned, I think it is just the most complicated game I've learned. There might be a couple others that are close, but compared to chess or Go or most board games, even kind of modern fancy board games, like those kind of, um, what are they called? Like artisanal board games, is that a thing? But like the new kind of indie wave of board games where people make these board games and they're, you know, they're pretty sophisticated, pretty complicated games, but they're still, um, the level of complexity pales in comparison to magic. Like you, like in magic, for example, when you buy any magic, they don't give you the rules. Like, you, there's no rule book. I mean, there there is a rule book, but it's gigantic. Like, if you print it out, it's like 100 pages long or something. So, like, you just teach people, like, the basic idea, basically. And then you gradually learn the rules by osmosis over the years. Um, so, but don't worry about that. If you're interested in learning, you can learn. And it doesn't, it's not a bad problem that the rules are as complicated as they are. It, it, but it is a learning curve, I'll say that. So, the principal idea of magic is, you. yeah, you have this set of rules... But each card can break the rules. So whenever a card contradicts the rules, you follow the rules on the card. So there's like these thousands of tiny fragments of rules that are um, interacting in unusual ways and in different ways every time. And so that's one of the things that makes it magical is that you, it's like you construct this game like part of the game is built for you that's the rules but then you build part of the game with your deck and then your opponent builds part of the game with their deck and then the match between you is the interaction between the three parts of the game the the rules my deck and your deck all of which are contributing rules to the overall interaction and then you get to see well who who broke the rules in the most interesting and powerful way and therefore won the game so i think that that's what's really great about it and the guy that invented it is a guy called Richard Garfield. Uh, he created it 25 years ago. Kind of, he was pitching something else to this games company. And he was pitching something that had a bunch of moving parts and like this thing called Robo Rally, which he later made. Um, but it had like different parts and it was just way more complicated. And the guy said, you know what? We, we don't have room for that in our, you know, whatever inventory or like schedule or something. But he said, you know, what we really could use is like something like a card game that you can play between D&D sessions. If you're at a convention or something and you're just waiting around, that kind of takes, you know, 20 minutes, half an hour. If you can make a card game, that would be really great. So Richard Garfield goes away and, and he comes back with magic, which is the basic idea of which is, as I said, um, and, and nowadays this has been done a lot, so it's not so revolutionary. But you think back 25 years ago, this had not been done, where he said, okay, well, we're going to have the rules of the game which at the time were not so complicated because they were just kind of more casual. Now that it's played competitively, um, they need to be really clear. But at that time, the rules were simpler. You did get a rule book in those early days. You got a rule book when you bought the game. And he said, okay, so we're going to make the rules of the game. But instead of just buying the game in a box and you play the game out of the contents of the box, instead, you're going to collect parts of the game and each person is going to co- have their own collection of cards, and they're going to play against each other. 
And so you open a pack and you'll see cards you've never seen before. And it's like, oh, this one will go really great in my deck. I'm going to put this one in. And he really cleverly designed it. I'm not going to get into how, but he cleverly designed it so that it wouldn't just be like everyone wants the same cards and everyone just says, well, this is the best card, so I put this in and I don't put these bad cards in. But he designed it so that different decks would have different approaches and different strategies, almost different personalities, and that the different personalities would would be interested in different of the cards and would be like, oh, one deck might really want this card but not really care about, you know, might really want card A that's like a crazy dragon but not want card B that's like a magical amulet. But then another deck would be the opposite. They're not interested in the dragon. They don't need a big dragon. But this magical amulet does something that this deck really needs. So, you know, so he he built this thing and it exploded, basically. He thought that people would buy um, three or four packs and then maybe they would bring out a new set of a different set of cards and then they would buy a couple packs of that set. People bought cases of these things. Cases and cases. They just, like, they went crazy. It was an explosion. It's I can't remember the details, but it was something like... They did a print run that was supposed to last a year and it sold out in a week. It's something like that. Something insane. So anyway, this idea exploded and 25 years later, here we are and people play it all over the world. There are professional magic players. There are people who make their whole living playing this game with tournaments that pay out reasonable amounts of money. Now, professional magic players don't make a huge amount of money as far as I can tell. But still, you know, there's a, there's a whole industry and there's a whole kind of culture around this thing. One of the things that you can do is go to these big tournaments where a bunch of nerdy people who love this game show up and and battle with each other for dominance and for victory. And this is a, it's such a high variance game that you you know sometimes you just get bad luck and you just screwed out of the game. That's something else I want to say that I think is really interesting. So the, the so Richard Garfield created the game and currently the lead designer is a guy called Mark Rosewater who's um, a very prolific kind of ambassador of the game. He writes a lot of articles about his design process and about the, the, the Magic design team's process. And he also records a podcast very regularly, like a couple times a week or something. Like he's, he's prolific, like he kind of generates a lot of content and he is very interesting he talks a lot about design so if you're interested in game design go check out mark rosewater his podcast or uh his articles on the magic site and he um but one of the things he says which really uh resonate and rings true for me is he says the problem with games like go and like chess is because you have perfect information and there's no variance in theory you can plan out moves like hundreds of moves in advance, right? There's no theoretical cap. Like if you had infinite time, you could sit there and draw a tree diagram of every sequence of moves and really think about it. And because it's possible to do that, you feel kind of obliged to do that. Whereas with a game like Magic, because there's a high level of um, variance relative to chess and because there is a, a there's a, a component of hidden information there's a natural cap you can do some thinking out ahead and you can think of some possibilities of what might my opponent have in their hand what might they have in their deck what might they draw next what might i draw next so there is some amount of thinking ahead that you do and, and that's part of the strategy that's what good players do is they're having those thoughts but there's like a natural cap on how much you can do and so you don't feel obliged to do more thinking than you really feel like so i just thought that was really interesting it's kind of part of what makes magic interesting and and i love the game i find it 
much more pleasurable to play than chess and go although i do also really like go but for a different reason i don't play nearly as much go as i would magic i'm going to go back to jumping all over the place and you'll understand why right now and i was going to do this podcast about movies some movies to watch but instead it's been about magic and that's okay but here's the point of my story is as well as all of the great qualities that magic players can have they also can have the uh, uh less than stellar personal hygiene just as a function of the, it being a very mental very nerdy game it's kind of like a the culture is not that great compared to say going to a yoga conference just as an example imagine a yoga conference it's a random example of like what the personal hygiene would be like there then a magic conference so and also you have that you have 2,000 people flying in from all over the country and all over the world to play in this tournament so i went to one of these tournaments this weekend and i got a cold and so i have a cold today and i have a sore throat and i'm tired and that is my story of the day so I'm, I'm partly joking, but also partly not. But don't let that put you off because it is also a wonderful game and it's a wonderful community and it's really great people to play the game. So if it's interesting to you, you should check it out. And that's all I'm going to say. I am not well and I'm hoping that I will soon get well again. I'm pretty sure I'm on the mend actually. Today is better. So I'm going to get well and I hope that you will be well. All right, good night. Good night.